Aloha and welcome. You're listening to Soul Dancer, the author of Pay Me What I'm Worth, and your host for this show. I look forward to diving into yet another show where we explore the many different facets of worth. And now, let's dive into our next show. In this episode, we get to eavesdrop on a team status update call. The team is convened by Christina Irvin. She has extended out to her network a unique opportunity to take a year-long journey. We join this call in progress. Time for a little exercise. On a scale of 1 to 10, time to get a pad of paper. Oh, I'd actually like you to make a note of your score results because we're going to use this as kind of like a baseline. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 equals poor. Yuck. Ew. Ah, hate it. <laughs> 10 equals love it. Adore it. Do it often. Try to do it as much as possible. On a scale of 1 to 10, when you think about life overall, on a scale of 1 to 10, when it comes to your desire to give, your ability to give, how would you rank yourself? Write your number down. Scale of 1 to 10. 1 poor, 10 love it. Scale of 1 to 10, basically, where do you stand with your ability to give? Overall, I realize that everything is dependent upon the situation. You would give more in some situations and give less in others. But overall, average it out what your number is. Patty, do you want to share your original score? Absolutely. My original score was 8. Okay. Mine was 8 also. That's too funny. <laughs> okay. Wow. Mine is eight as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, goodness. <laughs> and I'm an eight. I'm kidding. I feel like an anomaly. <laughs> I put ten plus. <laughs> I am a Good. giver. We got a ten. <laughs> I all am right. a giver. That's all right. <laughs> Did anybody score themselves five or less for giving? No. I don't even remember what I said the first time that you and I and Patty went through this exercise. I'm reevaluating my giving because there's giving and then there's willingness to give on an interpersonal level. And so that's why I'm going to grade myself down. I'm putting myself at an eight. I'm a giver, giver, giver. But interpersonally, like when it comes to relationships, I have a block of sorts, you know, when it comes to trust and everything. So I'm not as willing to give on that level. So you can begin to create your own little spreadsheet, and you can write down certain traits. And underneath those traits, you can start putting your scores as you go along to see how they change. Flipping the coin. Once again, the, the, the scale is the same. One, hate it. Ten, love it. Your ability to receive. Again, overall. If you take a trip down memory lane, if you were to tally up overall how many times you've received a compliment, did you receive it or did you play ping pong with it and bet it back? You didn't receive it. How many times has somebody offered you something and your initial instinct was, um, thank you, but no thank you? So write your scores down. One, hate it. Ten, love it. Ability to receive overall. I'll give myself a four. Okay. 
Okay, I know my answer to that, definitely. I give myself a 10. Excellent. Well, I give myself a 2. I give myself a 5. <laughs> Great. Clearly, I've got a lot of work. I give myself a 1 minus. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, just have, you just have to one-up me. <laughs> No competition in this team. All right, note to self, we have competition to deal with. Got it. All right, all right. What happens when we're out of balance? Oh, it brings insecurity. Mm -hmm. When I'm out of balance, insecurity, I get overwhelmed, it's negative, I get depressed, usually very tired. And I don't project the best me I can project, even when I'm out with, around people. If I'm out around people and I'm not in that place, then I'm very approachable. But if I'm out of balance, I'm not very approachable. And I don't need to do it consciously. I just know that that's the way it happens because my energies are just not strong enough on the positive side when things are too out of balance. I think in general, all of those negative fear, anxiety, worry, depression, what all those things that I'm becoming more conscious of, being in control of the situation and how I respond to the situation, all of those things are amplified when we're, when we're out of balance. Maybe that does play into control because most of us like to be in control of our lives. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like we're not, for whatever the imbalance is, it's, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a good C word, control. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, let me reframe it. Chelsea, if I come up to you, and I give you a compliment, and I sense it comes back. What's happening there? So if you give me a compliment and I kind of say something, my, my thing is I'll say something jokingly about it. It shows my inability to receive the compliment. Mm-hmm. Maybe what shows are you telegraphing for myself. Exactly. But I lack confidence in that area. Bingo. And if you're telegraphing that back in whatever way, it's, it's abundantly clear either you're uncomfortable with the compliment or it could be interpreted that you're undeserving of the compliment or whatever it is. If you ping pong that back to me, what does that give me permission to do? Use it to continue to further disempower you or the other person. It's like leverage, especially for those who may feel a certain way about you, and if they do that, they can say, oh, that's where I can get her. Mm-hmm. Someone's complimenting you, and you are not receiving it, okay? Maybe you just don't trust people or so forth. And, and they're saying, hmm, now I know how to get her. It just confirms why you're not receiving it, because you don't trust that person. So there might not necessarily be something wrong with the way we're thinking or the way that we're receiving the compliment. Because if you know for a fact that that person is BSing you, then why would you receive it? Valid point. How do you break the cycle? I just wouldn't even bother with the person. Honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be around anyone like that or anyone that I'm not trusting. I've got to where if someone compliments like my hair or my clothes, I try to say, well, thank you very much and just go on. And try not to put my mind into the, did they really mean something else? Just say thank you and move on. I don't know if this is like the most appropriate time and maybe it might be something to better dive into at a later date, but 
as we've talked more, I've become more conscious of my challenge with receiving and have really been trying to change that and receive it, but it's still a, a discomfort for me. But it's forced me to go into a deep dive as to why I'm this way. And I think part of it is I ascribe a certain level of expectation. And I know how I feel when I expect others to be a certain way and I feel like they don't meet that and I feel let down. I don't want to do that to other people. I don't want to let other people down. So I try to minimize their expectation of me. This was just the aha moment I had like yesterday. And I'm just going to go on and set the tone of being completely transparent right now, like put this out here to the group, (laughs) like I'm putting it out. (laughs) I'm dripping on these two issues because much like preparing a garden to be planted, if the soil is so rock hard, I can't break it up. There's really no point throwing seeds on top of it, yeah? That's right. So if I'm so paranoid that I just can't trust anybody's compliment, for whatever reason, no matter how justifiable I may make it seem to be in my paranoia, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be able to receive. Part of waking up to our worth. I'll reframe this in a different way. Who has a story they'd like to share about a time where they bought a gift for somebody, and the gift was going to be given sometime down the road, meaning maybe a week or a month or whatever, so there was a time between buying the gift and giving the gift, and it's a gift you thought that person really, 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 really wanted. I mean, they had talked about it, they really drooled over it, what, you just know them well enough that they would love the gift, so you bought the gift, and you, it's, you're in that time period of, between having the gift and giving the gift, and then you gave the gift. And the gift was like, oh, I don't want this. Who has a story to share around that? Yeah, I've got a story for that. I have a uh, stepsister. We've always had a rough relationship. And every year I went out of my way to make sure I got her something for Christmas that I thought she would really love. And probably the last time I ever bought her anything, I bought her something really nice. I gave it to her. And she made the comment, oh, I don't like this. So my way of dealing with, with that was I never bought her anything ever again. About four years ago, Christmas time was coming. We don't usually exchange gifts, but this year, that year particularly, I wanted to. Just a lot of things have been going on, and I just wanted to give them some love and show them I'm thinking about them. So I bought them this really, really, really beautiful watch. I thought it was gorgeous, and he would just love it because it was his favorite color. He said, why did you spend all this money on it? (laughs) That did not set a fire under me that I need to go buy anything else. (laughs) It was like, if you don't want it, I'll return it and keep the money, okay? Yeah, that was a, that's probably one of the top ones I can think of. Excellent, excellent. Another excellent story. Is there another one bubbling out there? Just give me money. I'm good. <laughs> oh. Why do you think I'm bringing up this whole issue? What, what am I setting the stage for? Any, any guesses? Our ability to receive and give as we go on this journey so we can receive what we need to receive. And to and maybe take you back to so where a lot of the blocks have begun. Right, in your foundation, where they resonate from, and usually it's subconsciously. So okay. you're bringing it to the forefront so we can rec- recognize and acknowledge why we feel this way and see how far it stems back in order to put closure to whatever it is so that we can move forward. I guess the only thing I could think of is more of compassion for the other person because initially the gift was not for us, it was for them. I could just look at it as an opportunity to get to know why they're feeling that way, and for us to verbally express 
the care we have for them and the reasons why we got the gift. Yum. Yes. Yum. Keep going. My feeling is uh, since I moved to Boston, I have had to ask for help in so many ways. I'm not saying that all the help that I've received I've asked for, but I have had people offering to help me, and I've actually been so happy to receive. And I think that is part of our journey here, is that we have to learn how to receive these gifts that are open to us as well as give in return. For me, it's just been amazing because I've had to actually, receiving is also accepting of yourself of your situation, allowing yourself to receive. And it's a good thing. It really is. That's good. That's a real good point. Absolutely. I'd like to add that when I give a gift, to see the enjoyment that they have when they receive the gift, it's part of receiving, and I never realized that. Because actually receiving, you're happy that they're happy to get this gift and that they like it and it's just a feeling of I I didn't realize that being happy of giving a gift to someone who is appreciative is also receiving happiness too if I said that right you remind me of a cosmic two by four up the head I had one night with a dear friend eons ago it's common that when I invite you out to dinner that it's more or less agreed that if I invite you out for dinner I pick up the check and the particular person that I had taken out to dinner that night, we had had a habit of doing that. And our income levels were considerably different. I would always make sure that he was aware of the fact that while I was selecting a particular place that I knew was a bit crazy, he also knew that I was paying for the check, there shouldn't be a problem, blah, blah, blah. So one night came along, and the check came, and he reached for the check. And I'm like, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm the one who invited you. I thought our agreement was if I invite you, I... I paid the check. And he just smiled and he looked at me and he says, you know, that's true. That is an agreement that we've talked about from time to time, but we have a turning point here tonight. And I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And he goes, I came tonight fully prepared, not only knowing where we're going, knowing approximately what we would spend because we've been here before. I came fully prepared to pay for dinner. I want to surprise you. And at that point in my awakening journey, I was at that point where, because I knew that check would be close to one of his paychecks, and it was nowhere near one of my paychecks, I felt very uncomfortable with that. I I had a very difficult time receiving his generosity, and he point blank looked at me and said, Soul, and this is what we were just talking about, what do you get feelings-wise when you pick up the check? And I wasn't really connecting all the dots, and I just said, well, gosh, you know, I love doing this. I love your company. I, you work hard. This is a way for me to somehow reward a teacher for doing a lot of good work, la, 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 la. He says, why are you robbing me the feelings of joy and satisfaction? And folks, in that moment, you literally could have hit me upside the head with a baseball bat at full swing. I never, ever looked at it that way. And it was causing him pain every time we went out to dinner, where I thought it was bringing him joy. Wow, that's really awesome. 
because I'm real bad. I'll say, hey, let's let's meet up for dinner, and I'm always quick to pay, and I've never thought about it like that. I'm loving this. Thank you. Me too. Me too. Me too. Who has a story about a time that you got into maybe it was a new job or a new relationship or a new city or whatever, and in that moment it felt totally overwhelming. In that moment you thought to yourself, what the hell have I gotten myself into? I'm never going to learn all of this. I'm never going to understand. I'm, I'm going to get lost forever. Who has a story? I was born in the Philippines. When I was two years old, we moved to Japan. So my first language was Japanese, and I grew up around that culture. Everything known to me was Japanese. And then in about four or five years later, we were on a ship on our way to the United States. Well, all my siblings and I, we were young. We didn't realize we were moving to a new country. And I'll tell you, when we got off that boat and we were in the United States, I... I actually had to start speaking English more than Japanese, and I did speak two languages. I spoke English because my mom didn't understand Japanese, but I'll tell you what, that was a big, huge change for me, and I always felt like I never, I will never fit in. How am I going to fit into a new society? How am I going to fit in and learn all the ways of America? So (laughs) that was a huge, huge shift for me. I was in the first grade, but I'll always remember it, as long as I live. (laughs) And then I took on the the Boston slang. And then when I was in high school, my parents, my dad's company, moved us to Chicago. All of a sudden, I'm in a new town. I'm I'm in high school now. I noticed that, wow, my English the slang and everything. <laughs> I had to change that quickly. <laughs> I always felt like I didn't fit in wherever I went. There was something I had to change. I know what that feels like. What was You're that? playing the chameleon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I learned that fast. <laughs> yeah. Marsha, yes. now if you were to fly in to Tokyo, uh-huh. how is your flight into Tokyo? different now than it was when you first flew into Tokyo? (laughs) I would have to definitely brush up on Japanese, but I still feel that culture. I remember that culture, and I learned so much in Japan as a, a young child and getting in groove with what it's like to be Japanese, and I also taught English to foreign students when I lived in Hawaii. I taught the foreign students I mostly taught were Japanese students. So to me, it would be still, I I would remember that culture, but I would definitely have to uh, brush up on Japanese because I completely forgot how to speak Japanese because I had to come to the United States and be ingrained into the American language. So that's, yeah, that would be a change. If you think of the old proverbial teeter-totter, you know, where you're, you're balancing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, it took a while for you to get balanced with two different languages. Yeah. And it, it may not take as long to get as balanced the next time around, but you still got to get back in balance, right? Exactly. Yes. Wherever you go, I believe. Is that a skill? I think it is. I think it becomes a skill if, if you have moved around a lot. You have to learn how to deal and accept people as they are. 
the point I'm making here, there are things that we're doing right now in our lives that we have learned so long ago. And we've integrated it into our lives so long ago that because it's like breathing, it's second nature, we don't even think about it. We just do it. Right. We discount the value. Nine out of ten, we discount based on our perception of worth, whether that's respect, time, money, locations, whatever. Part of our journey together with giving and receiving is becoming so bright, so effervescent, so like you just light up a room and in a way that's positive, not in a narcissistic way or a, a, like a know-it-all way or whatever. The case. But you beam confidence. You radiate this joy of helping other people. Part of that shift that I talked about at the very beginning of our call is people are going to notice a, a confidence in you. You're going to notice a shift in you. And if you're unable to accept their compliments, you've set up an internal war, you've fed those weeds of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry that we need to be conscious of. Yeah? Thoughts? Is, is any of this making any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what, for, so I think I want to add another layer to this because to, to what you're saying requires a, a consciousness and a comfort with the now. I will just throw it out to the group how often we are, we say that, well, I'm confident. I'm, I'm always confident. I know what I can do. I've got my skills. I know I can do this, right? But when you really think about it, I will go back to what I have done in history, in my history, to both that and, and hold it up as, as to say, yeah, I have done this before, so I absolutely have the confidence. I have been confident before. I have been able to achieve this before. I have done that before. And so because I've done that before, I absolutely am that now. But, you know, life throws in monkey wrenches and experiences and challenges that sometimes can wipe that confidence away. So we're kind of just talking the talk until we're able to walk the walk. Anybody else want to kind of jump in on that one? No, Christina. For me, the more tasks I do, the more confident I get. But that doesn't mean I'm fully confident with all my skills because there is so much to learn out there that sometimes it's confusing. What should we do? What's the next step to take? How we come across so that people can learn the same confidence or the same, because for me, it's my confidence grew with the computer as I started using the computer and as I started doing more things with the computer. But I know there's a lot of people out there that want to learn network marketing. They want to learn how to do things online, and they just don't have the confidence. Or they will have the excuse, I don't have the time. (laughs) So they just put those things that they could learn on the back burner. Okay, you brought in another layer that I think is fantastic to explore. So before we get to that layer, let's talk about, let me put it another way. Who has an example that they would like to share about a time that you were that magnanimous person, right? You did walk into the room with that light, that confidence, and everybody's eyes immediately were on you. Everybody was immediately drawn to you. And then they found themselves losing that swag, and now they're trying to regain it. They're trying to figure that out. 
anybody have any, anything that they want to share on that, on that level right now? Years ago, I was very active with the chamber and my career and my business that I had. And when I walked into that room every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. of 100 people, I walked in and whether or not I felt it inside, I, my, I projected full confidence. People were automatically drawn to me because of that. And it felt really good. And so even though I didn't have it inside, I projected it. After a while of doing that, I started to feel it. You know, the microphone would go into my hand. And the first couple of times I was petrified. Though I grew up in the theater, it doesn't matter. You never get over that, those fears. They, they come back. They're still in the butterflies. Oh, my gosh, everybody's going to think I'm crazy, stupid, whatever. Got past that. But, yeah, I would walk into a room, and I made sure I was dressed appropriately. And, yes, I would take over the entire room because that was my intent. And then during the last three years or so, my life has taken a, it took a turn and those things were no longer happening because I wasn't able to. And along with, along with a lot of other stuff, my confidence level pretty much plummeted to the ground. Um, in fact, I think it plummeted to a rabbit hole. I'm just now trying to call out of that rabbit hole that I fell into because so many things happened and I allowed those negatives to affect me in such a way that I lost all confidence within me and belief in my own self. It took a bit for me to recognize that and to understand why the things went the way that they went. I think I needed to learn that, for one, I never use the word expect or expectations because I truly believe it's a negative word. If you expect of somebody, you're putting a, a uh, judgment on them, per se. For me, expectations are judgmental. Let's face it, who's going to really live up to that high of an expectation. So I try not to use that word. So, because when it comes to that, I will absolutely beat myself up for the longest time. I'm my worst enemy. So I lost all that confidence because I did do that. I did beat myself up. It's not good, except that I did learn that the things that I was doing, what was important and what was not important. The biggest part of what I learned, what was important, was that it's just, it's people. It's simplistic as love and to give love to my best ability. It's not about the amount of money I was making. It's not about being the, this big fish in a little small pond. Step out of that pond and you're going to look like a guppy. And so that's pretty much how I felt. Once I stepped away from that position, I was a guppy. And I just, I just felt tiny and I had lost a lot of self-worth because my business went under. Well, so did a lot of other people in 2008. It was a a pretty rough year. So all those things combined, I went from this confident walking in, known known as the marketing diva, go talk to Debbie, to non-existing in life and hiding in a shell for the last three years and virtually staying away from people. And I'm a butterfly, so that's not normal for me. Wow, strong story. Thank you for sharing that. Question for you. Yes. Regrets? I don't believe in regrets. So I believe that everything that happens happens for a reason, period. God is not going to have us in a situation where that we're alone ever. But yet sometimes it's really hard when you're in the midst of it to keep that faith really strong. But as far as regrets, absolutely not. If I didn't go through all the things I went through, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't be in this group right now. All the things that I've been through, have led up to this point. So there are no regrets. 
because that's another word that cannot be used. It's not found in the success dictionary. I'm glad you're saying that because, again, if we think of that image of teeter-totter, the teeter-totter, teeter-tottering between student and teacher, student and teacher, mm-hmm. and your story and the no regrets tells me that you're very mindful of learning. True? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So with that thought in mind, I'm curious. Chelsea, if you were to meet someone who, let's say they're a foreign exchange student, and, and I realize this sounds like I'm possibly switching the topic, but I'm not. I'm going to take it, another, as Christina likes to do, take another level to it. Chelsea, when you, let's say you've got a foreign exchange student, they're just learning the, the English language, and they're struggling on these two words. How would you define the first word, analyst? What are the characteristics of an analyst? Hmm, an analyst. An analyst is able to look at a situation or an object and go into detail on how that situation or object works. Does that make any sense? So it would be safe (laughs) to say that an analyst is focused on the destination. You know, that famous quote, life is a journey, not a destination. Mm-hmm. Would it be safe, am I summarizing it correctly? Chelsea is saying that in your description of an analyst, they're focused on the destination. Yes. Okay. Likewise, Chelsea, if you were to explain to someone who's just learning our language, and they've come across the word explore, and they, they just can't quite figure that word out, how would you describe explore? I would say that exploring is less technical than an analyst, that you dig deep, spelunk, whatever you want to call it, to find new depths in yourself, in your life, in your work. It's exploring options. If you're analyzing a particular thing, it may have less options. Could we then say that an analyst is, is sort of interpreting in what's there existing to, that can be seen now, understanding what that definition of where it is now, whereas exploring is literally like Chelsea was saying, spelunking, going deeper, actually looking for the depth and the, the hidden meaning and the hidden understanding. Like stepping out on faith. My interpretation of an analyst is somebody who's going to make a judgment, and my interpretation explorer is somebody who wants to discover, discover and be open to whatever that your mind and your heart and your spirit receives, and just keep going with that discovery. So it's a matter of intention? Discovering an intention, yeah. I don't want to analyze myself because, good grief, I'll go nuts trying to analyze things. And Marsha, 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 you're the only analyzer in the group, right? I know that. <laughs> Christina and Chelsea and Patty and Julia and, and Ben are going, ha, thank God we found the analyzer because I'm not one of those. Oh no, I don't I don't I don't overcomplicate or overanalyze anything. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. 
<laughs> oh, brother. Go ahead, uh-huh. for me to analyze. <laughs> uh-huh. Analyzing for me, is, I, I have to know why it is. I'll tell you the story. I was like two. My mom tells me the story all the time, and I would take things like lamps apart, stuff like that. She wanted to know why I was doing it and, because I wanted to know how it worked. Of course, I didn't put it back together. <laughs> but that's just apparently this has been my whole life. And, yeah, I analyze things. I just have to know the reasons why and look at it from all these perspectives, and I drive myself back crazy. Completely. Because the fact is, there's sometimes in life things happen, and you can analyze them up, down, sideways, any way you want, turn it inside out. There's just not an answer, and you have to just be accepting of what is. Which of these two traits do you sense is more appropriate for our journey together? Which do you think will work better? Exploring. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're looking into new territory. We're looking to find some new things and discover some things that we don't know about. Exploring's all about digging and looking and finding. Well, conversely, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of this. I'll lose something in the house. I know it's in the house. I know it. I know mm-hmm. it's in the house. I will turn the house upside down and inside out, and I can't find it. So I, in desperation, I'll go, fine, where did I buy the damn thing? And I'll go to the store. And I know the store has it because I bought it there before, but I cannot find it in the store. So I'll go to one of the clerks with complete humiliation on my face and say, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah. And they'll look at me like I'm completely blind because I'll go and point to it right in front of me. Has that ever happened to anybody? Every time I ask. That's why you find something like that. You ask. You know what? You know that. If you go and ask, you're going to find it within two seconds. And look like a complete fool doing it. Well, if I hadn't asked, I wouldn't have found it. But thanks anyway. <laughs> You're going to be pleasantly surprised at how many things you're going to see again for the first time in a different way on our journey. Well, I think that's awesome and deep, and I'm really that that excites me even more. I'm ready. Yes, that's very exciting. Yes, it is. Life changed for me when I had to leave my little one in a daycare center or in the hands of a a caregiver, and it really, really bothered me a lot. Like, I felt like this was not right. I was going to leave her for hours at a time. It, It bothered me for two years going to work, and I was crying because I didn't want to leave her. I was mainly the one picking her up, so that meant that she was, dropped off at 7 in the morning and picked up at 6 in the evening. I was rushing to get to work. And during the process, just felt unappreciative and was stressed out beyond compare. And I was bringing home, and I was seeing something that I wasn't, that I didn't want to be. Last year, I started my own business. I want to be home with my daughter, and I want to pick her up from school, and I want to drop her off. I don't want to leave her for 11 hours. That I find that to be, it's not acceptable for me, and it's not acceptable in my life. But to make a long story short, the job is relocating. When I sat down with them, it was just like, well, we're not offering anything, and we're not offering a flex plan, and we're not offering you to work from home, and uh, you either take it or leave it. And I just flat out told them, I'm going to leave it. And that Monday, I handed in my resignation letter, and I'll be 
ending my position with my job in April because it's not acceptable. I could be replaced in my job, but I cannot be replaced with my family. My daughter has one mother, and I choose to be there for her. Right. You only get them small at once. You only get them little one time. And it's scary over the weekend because we had the discussion on Friday. I was handing in my resignation letter on Monday, and I could have spent the whole weekend just analyzing, oh, what what it's going to do, how we're going to live, what we're going to do with money. I just feel like in my soul and in my spirit that it wasn't nothing for me to analyze because that's just fear, and I didn't I didn't feel that fear. And not to say that I'm not freaking out or anything like that. When I do, either call Christina or I just cross it out of my mind. I'll somehow distract myself from feeding into that negative feeling. I didn't want to analyze it because I probably would have never handed in that resignation letter and accepted moving to this position that, or moving where they were relocating that was going to give an extra 45 minutes of my commute. And then I would have to get someone else to pick her up until I get home. I need those 45 minutes with my daughter. Whatever I can get with her while I'm working, I need it, and I wasn't going to get someone else to take care of her or pick her up until I get home from work. Christina, I have a fabulous story that will put Julia's mind to ease. May I share? Please. About two months ago, as I was wrapping up one of my weekend workshops, basically I help people pull together a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. I come in, do the workshop, blah, blah, blah. They get paid. And it was Sunday afternoon when we wrapped everything up. We're having our, our dinner, and this one couple, they approached me as we were eating, and then, can we have a seat? And I'm like, certainly, and we started talking, and I said, um, can I risk an observation about you two? And they gave me this look of, oh, my God, what is he going to say? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. And I said, I'm a bit confused, and I would like clarity around this. And they're like, okay. And I said, when I observe you two, you present yourselves as the American dream. I mean, you are both, you look healthy, you're in your, I would say, 60 plus years, you're both looking healthy, you're quaffed nicely, it's abundantly clear the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, you have enough financial wealth that it's unlikely you two would ever be uncomfortable. Are these observations correct so far? And they're like, yep, 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 okay. I said, well, the observation I want to make is all throughout the weekend, it seems like you two have had this thunderstorm brewing over you. There's this darkness to you that from basic observations, that thunderstorm shouldn't be there. And this is why I'm confused. Is there part of the story you'd like to share with me about this? And they looked at each other with fear in their eyes because they... It was abundantly clear they had the illusion they were masking certain feelings throughout the entire weekend, and I saw through that. And she started crying, and I'm like, it was not my intention to cause tears here. I I really do want to know what this dark cloud is, because I'd like to clear it before you leave here today. And the husband spoke up and said, if we had taken this workshop, 45 years ago, we would have changed our lives so fundamentally. We grew up poor. 
And when we got married, we made a vow that our family, once we started our family, our family would never, ever want for anything. We gave our three children everything they needed. They all have great careers. They were given top-notch education. They're now well on their way in their careers. We couldn't be more proud of every single one of them. But here's the deal. This is our cloud. We don't know our children. We paid people to take care of our children. We paid people to take care of what we would do as parents because we did not want our children to lack what we lacked. We don't know our kids. We're, we're approaching our retirement years, and because we've taught our children to work and work and work and give their children, because we taught our children to do what we did, they'll never have the time to know us. We all started crying. Had they known back then to balance the most precious resource we all had the same of, time, they would have balanced the overtime hours and the extra efforts that they did to get where they were financially. They would have stopped most of it so that they would have had time to know their kids. That was really powerful. <clears throat> Super powerful. Uh, my boys are 23 and 22, and luckily I was with them mostly when they were little, but that time passes so quickly that it's a blink of an eye, and it's so precious. And, you know, there's so much more value in time than anything else in this world. I don't know about everybody else, but I had to learn to value that time for myself and for those that I love and make sure that I'm giving, that I'm there for them when they need me. And as we all keep our explorer hats on and we mix it with a bit of fun, a, bit of, a lot of wit and a lot of laughter. Earlier in our call, I asked all of you to think of a time where you bought a gift for someone and you, and you know they're going to love it. And then there was that time between you gave, buying it and giving it. And then when you gave it, there was a bit of a disappointment. I know the journey you're about to go on because I've been doing this since 2006. There's like a parent who just yearns for their child to have the best experience their childhood could have, the best experience, the best friends, etc. But I'm also conscious that as a parent, you're going to bump, you're going to scrape your knee, you're going to touch something that's going to go, and you're going to go, ouch. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of the fact that on our journey, we're going to need to rely on each other to get through some of those bumps. Because to me, some of those bumps are the most profound learning moments we'll have together. Wow, this has been a, it's been a great call, everyone. I appreciate everybody. I appreciate you to take this journey with us. I appreciate everyone for being willing to be so open and transparent and, and sharing with each of us. Um, as you know, we're going to be on this journey for a while together, so this is a fantastic start to the journey. I'm excited about what's going to be coming, and I know that after this first experience, I, I already know that you, you understand. This is just our first call together, what it's going to be like, but, but 
what the transition is going to be for you individually. But I appreciate you uh, taking part of this. Listen, what I want to do before we end the call is I want to just give Soul a few more moments to sort of tie a bow on this call. Do we have I'm another fine. five minutes? Absolutely. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'll read you something I wrote about a week after my mother's funeral. The title of the poem is called Imagine If You Will. So take a deep breath. If you're able to close your eyes, take a deep breath, close your eyes, and take a little journey with me. Imagine, if you will, an image of a potter as she or he spins a wheel, molding and shaping something. A vase, perhaps. A vase to fill with a variety of brilliant, fresh, fragrant flowers. As your senses take in those beautiful flowers so carefully arranged in your vase. Which flower do you see first? Which flower seems to hide? Which flowers are brightly colored and which seem to fade? and wane and are withering away. As the last flower fades, try to imagine all the people that have traveled in and out of your life. People you think about, care about, laugh and cry about, loved or not, have played a hand in the process of shaping the person I am, you are, today. Hands holding the pieces of a broken heart then helps you to heal. Hands passionately embracing our bodies with a, and our souls with a love so fiery, hot as if I could never, ever grow cold or old. Hands sheltering us from other hands in times of trouble. Hands gently pushing us when we needed to grow. Hands guiding us to others. Who provides you with warmth and energy, wonderful thoughts and emotions, life and love? Who seems distant, almost forgotten, thinking of yesterday? Most importantly, who shares your hopes, your presence, your dreams? Who above all else allows life to flower to its fullest. Imagine who this is. Imagine who you are. Imagine, if you will.
with a couple of deep breaths, really deep breaths, feeling your body expand, your belly expanding, your shoulders rising, and let the deep breath out again. Maybe another deep breath as you open your eyes. Just imagine me and Christina bowing before you in extraordinary gratitude for you being here. Thank you, Phil. Before we conclude the call, does anyone have any last comments, thoughts, questions? I just want to say, on top of being very, very grateful, I feel that this is a huge blessing, and I'm exceptionally thankful for it. And thank you for, well, thank you for coming into my life. Christina, thank you for knowing that I needed this and making sure I was here. That's huge. And I'm very, I'm grateful. I'm also just indebted with emotion to the whole situation and the whole process of this journey. Thank you. I just want to say thank you as well. And I am so delighted to meet a lovely group of people here. I know that I'm right where I'm supposed to be right now. So thank you so much, and thank you so for this mastermind. Um, I'm just lost for words. I just want to uh, thank everyone for being a part of this and part of the transition. I'm calling it out as if it was. Christina and Saul, thank you for everything, and Saul for confirming that what the decision that I made is, is, is correct. This is going to be a very, very blessed journey. Christina, thank you for everything and for being my friend. No, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank everyone here on the team. I, I appreciate and love you all and uh, looking, looking forward to the journey. To the journey of our lives. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Sounds like a soap opera. You have no idea. I hope you've enjoyed eavesdropping on Christina's team status update call. Thanks again for listening. And once again, a reminder, please do listen to any of the on-demand shows to dive into our archives. Every single show that we've done has information to help you learn how to be paid what you're worth with ease and grace. And of course, I look forward to seeing you in class. We start classes every week, so no matter where you are at in your journey with Pay Me What I'm Worth, you're fully supported. I look forward to meeting you. Aloha. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.